Amazon Books, your weekly program about great reads through book talks, trailers, and first chapters. Presented by Mrs. Winningham and Mrs. Kovach. Hi, it's Mrs. Kovach. Today I'll be reading from the book A Tale Dark and Grim by Adam Gidwins. Once upon a time, fairy tales were awesome. I know, I know, you don't believe me. I don't blame you. A little while ago, I wouldn't have believed it myself. Little girls in red caps skipping around the forest. Awesome. I don't think so. Then I started to read them, the real grim ones. Very few little girls in red caps in those. Well, there's one, but she does get eaten. Okay, you're probably saying, if fairy tales are awesome, why are all the ones I've heard so unbelievably boring? You know it, how it is with those stories. Someone tells a story, then someone repeats it, and it changes. Someone else repeats it and changes again. Then someone's telling it to their kids and taking out all the scary, bloody scenes. In other words, the awesome parts. And the next thing you know, the story's about an adorable little girl in a red cap, She's skipping through the forest to take cookies to her granny, and you're so bored, you probably passed out on the floor. The real grim stories are not like that. Take Hansel and Gretel, for example. Two greedy little children try to eat a witch's house, so she decides to cook them instead, which is fair, it seems to me. But before she can follow through on her perfectly reasonable plan, they lock her in an oven and bake her, which is pretty cool, you have to admit but maybe it's not awesome, except here's the thing. That's not the real story of Hansel and Gretel. You see, there's another story in Grimm's Fairy Tales, a story that winds all the way through the moldy, mysterious tombs, like a trail of breadcrumbs winding through the forest. It appears in tales you may have heard like the faithful Johannes and brother and sister, and in some that you've heard Hansel and Gretel, for instance. It is a story of two children, a girl named Gretel and a boy named Hansel, traveling through a magical and terrifying world. It is a story of two children striving and failing and then not failing. It is a story of two children finding out the meaning of things. Before I go on, a word of warning. Grim stories, the ones that weren't for little kids, are violent. And now you're going to hear it. The one true tale, the tale of the Grim. It is violent and bloody as you can imagine, really. So if such a thing bothers you, you should probably stop reading right now. You see, the land of Grimm can be a harrowing place, but it's worth exploring. For in life, it is the darkest zones, the ones that we find the brightest beauty and the most luminous wisdom. And of course, the most blood. Once upon a time in a kingdom called Grimm, an old king lay on his deathbed. He was Hansel and Gretel's grandfather, but he didn't know that, for neither Hansel or Gretel had been born yet. Now, hold on a minute. I know what you're thinking. I'm well aware that nobody wants to hear a story that happens before the main characters show up. Stories like that are boring because they all end the exact same way, with the main characters showing up. But don't worry. This story is like no story you've ever heard. You see, Hansel and Gretel just don't show up at the end of the story. They show up, and then they get their heads cut off. Just thought you'd like to know. The old king, he was soon to pass from this world, so he called his oldest and most faithful servant. This servant's name was Johannes. 
but he had served the king's father and his father's father and his father's father's father so loyally that all called him the faithful Johannes. Johannes tottered in on bowed legs, heaving his crooked back step by step, leering with his one good eye, and his long nose snipped at the air. His mouth puckered around two rotten teeth. But despite his grotesque appearance, when he came within the view, the old king smiled and said, Oh, Johannes, and drew him near. The king's voice was weak as he said, I am soon to die, but before I go, you must promise me two things. First, promise that you will be faithful to my young son as you've been to me. And without hesitation, Johannes promised. The king went on. Second, promise that you will show him the entire inheritance, the castle, the treasure, all the fine land, except for the one room. Don't show him the room with the portrait of the golden princess. For if he sees that portrait, he will fall madly in love with her. And I fear it will cost him his life. The king gripped Johannes' hand. Promise me. Again, Johannes promised. Then the wrinkles of worry left the king's brow, and he closed his eyes, and he breathed his last breath. Soon the prince was crowned as a new king, and he was celebrated with parades and toasts and feasts and all throughout the kingdom. But then, when the reverie finally abated, Johannes sat him down for a talk. First, Johannes described to him all the responsibilities of the throne. The young king tried not to fall asleep. Then he explained that the old king had asked him to show the king the entire inheritance, the castles, the treasures, and all the fine land. And at the word treasure, the young king's face lit up, not with that he was greedy, but was just that he found the idea of treasures exciting. Finally, Johannes tried to explain his own role to the young king. I served your father and your father's father and your father's father's father. Before that, Johannes said. Then the young king started calculating on his fingers how that was even possible. But before he could get very far, Johannes had moved on. They call me the faithful Johannes because I am devoted my life to the king of the grim, to help them, to advise them, to understanding them. Understanding them, the young king asked. No, understanding them. In the anxious, ancient sense of the word. Standing beneath them, supporting them, bearing their troubles and their pain on my shoulders. The young king thought about this. So will you understand me too, he asked. I will, no matter what, under any circumstances. That is what being a faithful servant means. Well, understand that I'm tired of this and would like to see the treasure now. And the king stood up and the faithful Johannes shook his head and sighed. They began by exploring every inch of the castle, the treasure crypts, the towers, and every single room. Every single room, that is, save one. The room remained locked no matter how many times they passed it. Well, the young king was no fool and he noticed this and he soon asked why. What is that, Johannes? You show me every room in this palace, but never this room. Johannes squinted his good eye, curled up his puckered tooth mouth. Then he said, your father asked me not to show you this room, your highness. He filled, he feared it might cost you your life. I'm sorry, I need to stop for a moment. I don't know what you're thinking right now, but when I first heard this part of this story, I thought, what, is he crazy? Maybe, you know, something about young people and maybe you don't. I've been one myself once upon a time. I know a few things about them. One thing I know is that if you don't want one to do something, for example, go into a room where there's a portrait of an unbearably beautiful princess saying it might cost your life is the worst thing you could possibly say, but that all the young person will want to do. I mean, why didn't Johanna say something like, it's a broom closet. Do you want to go in the broom closet? Or it's a fake door, silly for decoration. Or it's the ladies bathroom, your majesty. Best not go poking your head in there. And all those things would have been perfectly sufficed, as far as I can tell. 
But he didn't say any of those things. If he had, none of this horrible, bloody events would have ever followed. Well, in that case, I'm glad I guess he told the truth. Cost me my life, the young king proclaimed with a toss of his head. Nonsense! He insisted he be let into the room. First he demanded, but Johannes refused. Then he commanded, still Johannes refused. Then he threw himself on the floor and had a fit, which was unbecoming for a young man the king's age. Finally, the faithful Johannes realized that there was little that he could do. So wrinkling his old malformed face into a wince, he unlocked the door. The king burst into the room and he found himself staring face to face with the most beautiful portrait of the most beautiful woman he'd ever seen in his life. Her hair looked like it was spun from pure gold. Her eyes flushed like the ocean on a sunny day. And yet around her lips, there was a hint of sadness and loneliness. The young king took one look at her, fainted dead away, and later in his room when he came to, Johannes hovering over his bed. Who is that radiant creature, the king asked. That, your majesty, is the golden princess, Johannes answered. She's the most beautiful woman in the world, the young king said. And Johannes answered, why, yes, she is. And yet she looked almost sad. Why is that? Johannes took a deep breath and replied, because, young king, she is cursed. Every time she tries to marry, her husband has died, and it is said that the fate is worse than death is destined for her children, if she were to ever have any. She lives in the black marble palace atop the golden roof all by herself. And as you can imagine, she's terribly lonely and sad. The king sat straight up in his bed, grabbed the front of faithful Johannes's tunic, and though he stared into the old man's face, he saw only the princess's ocean bright eyes and her lips ringed with sadness. I must have her, and I will marry her, and I will save her. You may not survive, Johan said. I will survive if you help me, if you're faithful to me, if you understand me. You'll do it. Johannes feared that the young king's life would be soon lost, but he had understood the young king's father and his father's father and his father's father's father before that. What could he say? Johan sighed. I will do it.